Okay, good evening, everyone. If you have not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you all. Um, I hope you have a fantastic Father's Day with us. Let me explain what's going to happen in our next kind of half an hour. So this is a little bit different evening tonight because rather than having one speaker, you're going to get three. So that is three times the goodness on this Father's Day. And I've asked three godly men from our church to share with you. That would be Aaron Abraham, Rob Armstrong and Paul Dibbon. So can those three guys give us a wave? Look at the screen. You'll see them. They're going to be speaking in just uh, a moment to us. Now, what I did is, as we were approaching Father's Day and thinking, what could we do with this? I was praying and I felt it was right to um, ask a, a few guys to just contribute and bring up what's on their heart, what they've been hearing from God. And I prayed and God gave me these three guys names. Um, so if this doesn't go well, blame me. You know, I'm the one who got that wrong. Um, but I, I've spoke to them and said, guys, I want you to go away and pray. I want you to uh, think about what God's been saying to you that you could share with the church, particularly the men. But on any gathering, we talk to the men, but we're actually talking to all of us. Um, and they all jumped at the chance. And what they're going to share is going to come out of their own walks with God, uh, what God's been saying to them um, in this situation and over the last few weeks in their own personal life experiences. I've read their notes. It's going to be great stuff. So be ready uh, to engage with God and hear with God. If you are one of the guys and you got your goodie bag, you should have got inside a pencil and a card of some kind like this. Please grab that now because this was the idea was this to take some notes. So if you haven't, you're one of the ladies, grab something to take notes. You can use your phone or a notepad or whatever. But what I'd love you to do as each of them speak is to write down for each one of them something that you feel God's impressed on you through what they're saying. So there'll be three things. So why don't you write one to three on your card or one to three on your phone just so you're ready. Um, I've asked each of them to talk for 10 minutes each. And so we'll just roll through them. Each one will go from one to the other and then they'll come back to me and I'll just sort of wrap it up um, at the end. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Aaron, who's going to go first. I'll hand over to Rob, who's going to go seven, second and hand over to Paul, who will be go third for us. So let me pray. Lord God, I want to thank you uh, for these men. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done in their lives. I want to thank you for how you've brought them to be part of us. I want to thank you for their role as godly workers and husbands and fathers and all that they do to serve and make their families and this church family work. Uh, we thank you that you've put your spirit in them. We thank you that you speak to them, that they listen to you, that they follow you, that they're obedient to you. And we pray now, God, as we come to listen to what they're going to share, we ask you give us grace to hear um, hearts that are open and faith to respond to what they say so that we too can follow you in obedience. And God's people said, amen. Okay, I'm going to first, I'm going to hand over to Aaron. Hello, can you, can everyone hear me? Awesome, okay. Right, um, I'm Aaron. I uh, married to Gigi. I have two kids in the youth, Elizabeth and Joshua. Um, so I, I thought I'd just start with a bit of an analogy. You can, you can see me, I'm in front of this camera. I've got, um, well, my hair is relatively decent. Um, and uh, I, I can tell you that I'm wearing lounge, uh, you know, running trousers. It's not formal trousers. You have no idea whether I'm barefoot or we're wearing slippers. And that's fine, that's lockdown tradition, right? It, it's, you, you haven't a clue and, and we're all okay with that. Um, 
Now, things that you can't see is just not a part of me that I'm willing to share with you, with my church folks. And the reason why I'm saying that is that I've been having a theme come across to me in my time with God about um, double standards. It's kind of when we profess Jesus with our mouth, uh, presumably to people at church, and deny him with our lifestyle, um, which the church folk may not be privy to. So, and over the last few weeks, it's I've just been hit uh, quite a lot with uh, views of Christians, uh, people in, 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 uh, in the Bible, in even, who have had radical lifestyles in the church, but they've made a shipwreck of their Christian faith through moral or, or other compromise in their daily lives. Now, I'm gonna, uh, gonna to touch on a few verses and I'm gonna start with um, a section in Romans, Romans chapter three, uh, verse 21 to 26. Now that, that whole section talks about uh, the spiritual journeys of the people of Israel and um, how, they, how they went through things. And it talks about Jesus and I'm gonna quote, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, this was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It takes a bit of chewing, but that verse basically says God had been patient with the people of Israel for a very long time. And it looks like the people of Israel would have gone complacent with a relaxed standard of moral excellence, as we sometimes can do. Um, and... And the crux of that verse, really, for me, was that in Jesus, God basically came down and said, do you want me to show you just how significant all those little shortcomings of yours really are? And he died for them. Now, that's a, that was a horrific demonstration of just how terrible compromise really is in the presence of a holy and an awesome God. Uh, God had to show the depth and the impact um, of, um, of, of things going wrong. And he did that by the price that he paid. Now, what that verse or what those verses were, were telling me was that I should really actively pursue godliness in my daily walk. That's not just being comfortable with where I am as a, as a so-so Christian, but, but it's about actively seeking out that place where I can allow Jesus to be reflected in my life. Now, I also want to go into a few verses in 1 Timothy. We're going through 2 Timothy at the moment in our sermon series, so we kind of know the context in which Paul's dealing with his disciple. But in chapter 3, um, Paul talks about, um, you know, Paul's telling Timothy about certain marks about senior Christians that you, that you recognize senior Christians by. And one of them is this. In verse 7, he says, I'm going to quote again, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. Now, there are two things to unpack there for me that, that, that really caught me. One is that uh, Paul's clearly saying that if a person has a messed up reputation outside, he's probably giving a false impression inside the church. But uh, the word snare also caught me. My interpretation there is that there is a bait mechanism, and that bait is the lie that the double standard the person is living by is worth it. Uh, it's worth it that is still the trap is well and truly sprung. 
so Paul goes on in, in, in the book and he talks about hallmarks of Christianity. He talks about warnings about when things could go wrong. And then Paul turns to Timothy himself in chapter six. Right, and I'm going to quote, it's a bit of a long section, so bear with me. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things. And of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Timothy, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's quite heavy. I mean, Paul's really hitting Timothy hard with this charge. And th there are a couple of places in that book. But what, what hit me there was that, wait, commandment, really? Aren't we past all that commandment stuff? Did, didn't Jesus' death on the cross mean that I'm now under grace and not under the law or the commandment? Um, and there's a lot to talk about there. But, but really, the word that's, that Paul's using there could also be read as a commission. And it, it actually means that which is prescribed to one by reason of his office. So for those of you who are at a place of work, it's like a code of conduct. Okay, when you join a place of work, you get a code of conduct. It's assigned to you, and it's pretty important. It's not just about a corporate identity. It's also about a way in which you, you, you're expected to live. You know, you, you're expected to work, really, so that you can relate to and make the most sense of your environment. So then what, what's the, quest, the, the question is, oh, what is that standard? What is, the, what is the code of conduct that we are to live by as Christians? And I think the key is in the phrase, the good fight of faith. Um, and for me, when I, when I unpack that, it's the faith that no matter what I'm seeing here, there's a God that I serve. There's an eternity that I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's bigger than what I can see around me. The bigger reality of eternity just tends to overwhelm the desires, the temptations, the stresses of the, of the world we see around us. And if that reality of eternity is really big for us, uh, the less likely we are to partition off the theory of Christianity away from the practical reality of life. So I'd like to just put this into context. Um, recently, I, I, uh, a few weeks back, I, I woke up with really bad chest pains and uh, uh, things got really dramatic really fast. Um, we had the ambulance, we had Good Hope Hospital, we had lots of, lots of dramatic events. Um, and it was quite scary, you know, because the, the, the term chest pains you know, immediately invokes all kinds of pictures. Um, there were points that were seriously intimidating. We had these huge paramedics. I don't know why they were so big. And, and there was just little me. And there was lots of equipment attached to just so much surface area of me. And that was, it was scary. Um, there were lots of points during the day when I went through all these tests that I could, that, that, that I really, uh, I, I had these thoughts in my mind about, you know, being anxious about me, about my family, about loads of things. Um, and, and, and I had a choice about whether to keep trusting or not. So uh, it, it, everything was fine. I had an all clear and I came out, there was no problem at all. 
I was, um, but then the next day, Gigi and I were just comparing notes and we, was, we realized that there was a special grace that had been on us through, through the whole day. And um, all we had to do was just listen to the spirit of God in us and telling us to trust that God has things in hand. And it was as simple as that. It just felt way more fulfilling for me to be um, in the hospital, talking to the staff, finding out about their stories and just just going through the day. Now, that's not something special about me. That's not something special about us as a couple, but we just happen to learn it again through this experience. Now, that's the shield of faith that we use to look beyond the immediate world around us and keep our focus on Jesus and to allow Jesus to continue working in us and through us. And as we heard last week uh, in, in, in the preach, God's there with us in it. He's helping us through the whole process. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's really not that difficult. So the big idea, what, what's, a, what's a summary thing that I'd like to just close with? Um, as Melanie said, be the same person you are before God and before people. Keep the faith. Thank you. Hi there, can you hear me okay? Good, okay. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Um, I can confirm that I am wearing trousers here. Um, but yeah, thank you. I can, really powerful uh, message there and I could already feel those like Holy Spirit prompts um, as you were speaking then, so thank you. Um, so I'm Rob. Um, I've been a follower of Jesus for 11 years and part of Real Life Church for three years, along with my wife, Rowena, um, our two kids, Amelie and Sebi. Uh, Ro and I lead a great life group. Uh, shout out to the Jazzy Beans life group. Um, and I'm on the Alpha team as well. So if you've got a Bible, uh, we're going to take a look at Deuteronomy 6. And the big idea that I'm going to talk about is don't miss the moments. So I'm going to talk about those everyday moments where we can draw people's attention to the greatness of God, where we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus. So I'm a doer. I tend to do things myself. Uh, this extends to tidying up after our kids. So you might have seen that Michael McIntyre sketch about um, his family members leaving things near the dishwasher, but not in it. Um, anyone can relate to that? Um, but if I'm constantly moving things from the worktop to the dishwasher, I'm missing an opportunity for them to learn to take responsibility for clearing up after themselves. So how about more spiritual lessons? Um, what if a child is having a hard time at school? In Matthew 5, verse 44, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus says we should pray for our enemies and we get our kids to pray for whoever is being mean to them. Um, we love devotionals in our house. They're books like this. Um, so this is one that I'm reading at the moment. Um, it's by Phil Moore, um, excellent commentary on Luke. Um, I've got another one here by Bear Grylls, big fan of Bear Grylls. Um, this one's called Soul Food. Um, and basically they're books where you get um, a little bit of scripture um, and then some commentary to help you process it and then a prayer. And we find them really helpful way to connect with God's word on a deeper level um, and gain some insight into the, um, the perspectives from the Bible. 
Um, there are also some great kids devotionals out there. Um, I've got this one. Um, it's called How Great Is Our God by a guy called Louis Giglio. Um, this one's 100 Indescribable Devotions About God and Science. Now, I, I love God, I love science, um, and I love teaching our kids about God and science. So that's really helpful. Um, another one here, this is by a guy called Bob Goff. It's called Love Does for Kids. There's an adult version as well. Um, but this one, he gives some really good insights into um, just how to, how to parent well, um, how to love your kids well, how to love Jesus well. Um, but I've realized that, um, you know, whilst these books are great, um, they're not enough on their own. Um, so if you turn now to Deuteronomy 6, we're going to look at verse 5 to 9. So it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. So Moses is writing here in Deuteronomy um, and he's instructing us to love God and then pass it on to our kids. Um, another book I've been reading is uh, this one. It's called Dad Tired and Loving It. I think a few, a few other guys in the church have been reading that. Um, it's by a guy called Jared Lopez. Um, he also does a podcast, which I've had to listen to, really helpful kind of 20, 30 minute um, short podcast that's just really encouraging um, in your walk with Jesus. Um, would also make a, make a great belated Father's Day present. I'm sure no one forgot, but if you did, that's, that's a good one. Um, but he gives uh, some really excellent advice, um, both on being a parent and a husband whilst following Jesus. Um, and he gives a great insight into this passage from Deuteronomy. He says, but catch this, Moses didn't say teach your kids for 15 minutes before we go to bed. <clears throat> Instead, he says, you should teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So I found this really challenging and it made me think about my own life. How much am I compartmentalizing God time into 15 minutes uh, with a devotional and a short prayer? Am I missing those everyday moments where I can draw people's attention to the greatness of God, where we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus? Am I missing the moments? So. I've talked about this so far as a dad with it being Father's Day, but I believe this applies to all of us um, in those interactions we have throughout our days. Um, speaking to another parent in the playground, maybe a colleague at work, uh, someone you bump into in the supermarket, a friend you're catching up with on, on the phone or on Zoom. <clears throat> what are those everyday moments where we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus? So, um, I've got a team member at work whose wife has been diagnosed with cancer. Um, it's just been the worst time for them, um, but I've tried to support them as best I can. Firstly, by being compassionate, but also um, offering to pray for them and their situation um, and just taking those opportunities just to um, just to offer to pray um, and give them support. Um, and that's opened up conversations about faith, 
in the church, and I hope that one day Jesus will heal her and will save them both. Um, it seems to me that Jesus never missed an opportunity to teach his disciples. So um, I'm just going to go through three examples. Uh, the first is from Matthew 19, um, verse 13 to 15. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering them. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. See, I love to picture the scene in these Bible stories. Um, the disciples telling off the parents of the kids and then Jesus stepping in to put them straight. Um, or how about this one from Luke 22? Um, right, they're, they're at the Last Supper. Jesus has just taken them through the breaking the bread and sharing the wine in remembrance of him. You know, a big occasion. Um, and then this argument breaks out. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like the servant. I'm sure we've all had those kind of meal times. Uh, then in Mark 12, uh, verse 41 to 44, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. But they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So Jesus never missed the moments. Never missed the moments. I know that for some of us, and me included, the thought of dropping Jesus into our every com everyday conversations can be frightening. Um, but if you got to listen to Simon Holly um, and his preach during the Catalyst Global Festival, um, and I recommend you check it out if you haven't already. Um, he says that we should look out for those people of peace around us. So those are the ones who are open to hearing about God um, and you can point to Jesus. And uh, maybe in Shameless Plug coming up here, you can invite them on Alpha. Um, we've got another course starting on the 5th of July. So um, get them along. So um, to sum up, don't miss the moments. Look out for those everyday conversations where we can draw people's attention to the greatness of God where we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus. Maybe it's talking to someone in your life group about God's provision. Uh, maybe it's buying a homeless person some food and asking their name and telling them Jesus loves them. Maybe it's pointing out the beauty of God's creation on a family walk. But don't miss the moments. Thank you. I'm going to hand over to Paul. Thanks, Rob. And hi, everyone. Yeah, as Rob says, I'm Paul. I'm married to Kay and we have two super duper boys, aged five and three quarters and three. And so we live here in Warmley. Um, we've been at Real Life Church for almost four years. It's great to have an opportunity to share something of God with you. And yes, this is a new shirt. So it's Father's Day. Um, so for me, Father's Day is a little bit different this year because three months ago in the words of our five and three quarters year old grandpa, has gone to heaven to have a party with Jesus and Moses and Noah oh, and David, but not Goliath because he was a Philistine. The last three months have been a bit of a roller coaster ride of emotions and struggles. 
loss, confusion, and my personal life and home life and work life were all affected by the news of my father's passing. But my walk with God and my levels of faith and expectation probably took the biggest hit. Whilst my dad was a strong man who tried his hardest to fight the battle for survival, I think I knew that the real victory was already won and it was finally his time to be with Jesus. But since then, I've been able to spend time exploring who my dad was, a quiet man who kept himself to himself most of the time. He would speak when spoken to, and if he ever said anything or wrote anything, you knew he would have thought about it for a long while in advance in order to get his facts right and to say what he wanted in the best way possible. We had a lot of email conversations about various queries of life, and now he's not around anymore. I look back at these emails and seek advice and once again, soak up some of his character. In some ways, his wisdom and kindness were taken for granted. And I often find myself wondering what dad would say or do in certain situations. His legacy to me was one of kindness. The many stories we heard in messages of condolences showed just how kind and humble he was to so many people. And this time of life has given me cause to think about the role of a father and how to be a good dad to my boys. Like my dad was to me, I am to be a source of wisdom, comfort, strength and stability. But who do I now look for the same? Of course, this church is full of great men of God who I'm sure would be willing to give advice when I need it. But it's not the same. They're not my father. They haven't known me since I was born. They don't know who I really am or my full life history is. But here's the thing. There is someone who is all of this and more. My heavenly father has known me since before. I was even formed in my mother's womb. He knows every hair on my evidently receding head. He not only knows what I say, what I do, he knows every thought in my head and still loves me. He knows where I've been and has great plans for where I am to go. And yet without realizing when my dad died, I let God fall to the side. It's as if I flicked a switch and turned God off everything began to revolve around me and how I was feeling. But don't get me wrong, I know grief is a powerful tool towards healing, but God can share in your grief. Needless to say, life became more and more difficult the further I pushed Jesus away. I began to lose enthusiasm for home life, started to pull back from work, became short-tempered with my family, and I knew I was heading in the wrong direction. But quite frankly, I couldn't be bothered to change. My heart became heavy. I didn't want much to do with Jesus. Of course, God had other plans and didn't want to see me drift any further. It was at a worship group gathering that a few people prayed for me, and it was Ro that had a word of encouragement from God for me. She urged me to begin journaling my prayers. Little did she know that this was something I already loved to do, but had not done for a long time. So God's word through her was perfectly timed. Now, shortly after that, I sat down, opened a new journal and began to write. And it wasn't before long that God began to speak into my worries, my hurts and my confusions and gave me some direction again. And whilst they were helpful to me at the time, I believe these truths can be helpful to anyone else who is feeling distant from their Heavenly Father right now. Now, it's worth pointing out that what I'm about to say rarely happens, but sometimes when I journal, I ask God direct questions and he gives me direct answers. It kind of freaked me out the first time it happened a few years back, but when it does, I feel humbled to know that God hears what I ask. 
So this bit's a bit embarrassing to share, but here goes. So I was lamenting how life was so much easier when God just sort of took control without me having to do anything. I was missing church as it used to be. And to be honest, I was missing my dad lots. I asked God to just turn back time, put things back to how they used to be. His reply to me was this. If I turn back time and put things back to how they used to be, you would never learn to draw closer to me. If things were always easy, you would think it was because of your own doing. There is so much that I do that you do not see. Even life itself is a victory for me. My conversation continued, in which case, help me to understand the things you do. Help me to appreciate you. All you need to do is trust that I am God. Have faith in things you cannot see. So what is this faith and how do I show it? I know that faith is a belief in the things I cannot see. That's too simple. To which God replied so beautifully, such is my love, so pure, so simple, so free. Just believe that everything will be okay. It might not look how I planned it, but these are the plans I have made for you since the day you were born. Your whole life is planned out ahead of you, and it is great. Have faith that what I have for you is perfect. Now, I like to overthink things. So at this point, here is a typical me response to which I can imagine God might have just rolled his eyes. Can I change the course of my life? Can I go against your plans? <laughs> and with a comforting yet stern answer, God humbled me. I don't need you, but I choose to partner with you to do my will. <sighs> this simple truth of God's majesty Yet his love for me blew me away. That's amazing, I wrote. So I choose to work with you, not against you then. How can I turn this promise into a reality? It's simple, God replies. Ask me daily and do as I ask. I'll always be here to help, guide and provide. Ask me daily and do as I ask. I was stunned. The truth is, these are words I've had time and time again. This was advice I would have shared with others on countless occasions, but in that moment, God reminded me of the simplicity of a life walking by his side. God is always there. He always is, always was, always will be. No matter how far we feel from him, he is there. No matter how bad, how sad, how mean or unclean we feel, God loves us. He is our everlasting, always loving, constant, consistent father. And unlike our mortal bodies, he does not fade. He does not die. He does not leave us. If you don't believe me, try talking to him. See if he listens. See what happens when you ask for his help. Don't wait until your own life comes to an end before you meet him face to face and realize just who he is. You can meet him now. You can seek his guidance, direction, love, and goodness. My father's emails and messages are there for me to read as a reminder of who he was. But with God, we have the entire Bible to refer to, reflect on, and remind ourselves exactly who God still is. My father's legacy to me was to be a kind and generous man. But God's legacy to us all is to seek his face every day. It's not easy, boy, do I know it's hard. But you'll never regret the minutes, the hours, 
or the days of your life that you've spent with God. But wait, there's one crucial piece of the puzzle that I've missed. Three days before Jesus died, he was with his disciples and spoke about what gift he will leave behind for them, something that would help them to get close to Jesus after he returns to heaven. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And I don't just mean the guys sat at the table eating bread, drinking wine. We are, or at least we can be, his disciples today. So Jesus promises us the same Holy Spirit who can comfort us when we are sad, can lift us when we are down, can draw us closer to Jesus than we can do on our own. This Holy Spirit is up for grabs right here, right now. Finding life hard? Ask the Spirit to help you to get closer to God. Looking for direction? Ask the Spirit to make God's path clear to you. Feeling like nobody loves you? Ask the Spirit to show you Jesus' heart for you and how special he thinks you are. Now, you may be sat there thinking that what I've said is a gentle reminder of how we need to spend regular time with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. But for some of you listening, what I have said is the furthest thing from normal and you have no idea of where to start or what to do. You are very welcome. And to you, I would share two pieces of advice from my own experience. Be yourself, be expectant. God knows you, he made you, he loves you exactly who you are. The Holy Spirit knows if you're the type of person who would rather jump up and down, shouting from the rooftops, or whether you prefer being alone in quiet with your own thoughts. Sing if you want to sing, dance if you want to dance, kneel if you want to kneel, write if you want to write, be still if you want to be still. Whatever you do, be yourself, but be expectant. Be assured that God wants to meet with you, both today and every day. If you let him, the Holy Spirit can make it happen. So I invite you to come into his presence with an open heart and an open mind. And God will fill you with love, blessings, gifts, promises, and purpose. I would just do it. Thank you so much, Aaron, Rob, and Paul. Thank you so much for your time and energy and effort that's gone into preparing that stuff and delivering it with us tonight. I know it's not easy on Zoom and talking to a bunch of screens, guys, but you were outstanding. Thank you so much. What I'm going to do now, Real Life Church, is just lead us in a response uh, to what um, they said for us. And we're going to spend a moment just engaging with God. If you've got your notes and you want to just review them as I'm speaking and see if God adds anything to you if you haven't taken notes because that's not your thing maybe there's just now an opportunity of God's dropped something in that you just need to write down so you you remember now's the time to get something ready so you can on your phone or on a bit of paper but I felt um God speak to me about three things as they uh, as the three guys spoke I felt them speak about integrity opportunity and humility and I just love us to kind of respond to what God said through them for us now. So I don't know what works for you, but sitting somewhere comfortable, if you're there, if you're standing, I'm standing, you can stand. But just take a moment to zone in on God and move into his presence. He's here with us, uh, as Paul so eloquently shared. We had that last week from Andy Martin. He's with us by his presence. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, now you come fill each one of us. Be with each other, one of us, manifest yourself wherever we are. 
in our homes, in our lounges, in our bedrooms, that you come and speak to us, open our hearts to hear what you're saying to us. Aaron talked about double standards, talked about integrity, talking about listening to the lie, basically saying this is worth it by compromising on how we live our lives and the sort of disconnect between one way of living and the other way and what we present to different people. I just want to provoke you with a few questions. Where are those areas in your life where you know that you're compromising, where there's double standards? This one's up here where people see, but this one's down here. What are those areas in your life where you know, where's God prompting you now by his spirit? Where's conviction coming? And then the question is, what do you need to do about that? Who do you need to talk to? It's always good to speak to someone when you're in those situations. I want to lead you in a moment of confession and repentance before God, where you know there are areas in your life that aren't right. They might be in your home, your personal life, things you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, things that you aren't doing that you should, you know you should be doing. Where are those areas in your life? What about places at work? Are you a different person at work than you are at home? What about with your family, with your friends, with your neighbours when you're out and about? If you know those, what those situations are, and you'll know about them because God will be highlighting to you now and they're right in the forefront of your mind. I just want you to bring them before God and to repent. Repent just means turn around, go the other way. Ask for his forgiveness because Christ has died on the cross in our place for us in freedom. Forgiveness is freely given to us and we can come before him and ask for that so why don't you just take a moment now to get right with God if you know there are areas of life where you've got double standards and integrity just get right with him now Rob spoke about making the most of opportunities, not missing the most, not wasting the moments. I underlined that in my notes. Where are your places? Think about where you spend your life, where you go, what you do, who you're with, who you live with, who you work with. Those are your opportunities. Those are your places when you spend life around. This is a, a moment to pray to God in faith. And I'm going to ask you to do that, to say, Fill me with your spirit that I might make the most of those opportunities, that you might reveal them to me. And it takes courage and boldness to walk into them. But why don't you do that now? You do it. You're all muted, so no one can hear you, apart from the person sitting next to you. But why don't you ask God, God, fill me with your spirit that I might make the most of those opportunities. There are great examples from the life of Jesus just doing life, but actually having moments to turn towards him and say, God, use them in my home in my family, with my neighbours, when I'm out and about, with my children or my grandchildren, if I have them, when I'm just on my own and I just turn my heart towards you, God, make the most of those opportunities that I don't waste them, that my mind is turning to you and I'm reminded that you are a God of love and compassion who is for me. And the last one, Paul talked about humility, coming to God, knowing that he's our heavenly father and asking daily to be filled with his spirit and to spend time in prayer and Bible reading. Killing the idea of self-sufficiency, which is a peculiar 
male trait, not exclusively, but tend, men tend to be more self-sufficient, I see, uh, than ladies. And that's something that isn't um, how we should be as Christian men. We should be God-sufficient and reliant on him. And so it takes humility to come before God and say, I need you. I want you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be led by you. I want to follow your commands and not live my way and have you in charge and not me in charge. So there's a moment now. Why don't we pray? Ask God to fill you with his spirit to come before you and empower you for service, to be obedient. You have to ask, Paul said. (laughs) I can't ask for you. You've got to ask him. You've got a one who's got to make that, make that step. And that requires you humbling yourself before God. So just take it a moment to do that. And then I'll wrap up in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your presence with us this evening. Lord, we thank you for those messages. Lord, we thank you for how you spoke so beautifully to them and they then spoke so beautifully to us. Lord, we thank you uh, that you're a God who loves us, who is for us, who is present with us. Lord God, we want to respond in faith and say, God, we don't want to live double lives where we live one way in one place and another way in another place. We want to have integrity. We want to fight that good fight of faith. Lord God, we pray, use us that we make the most of every opportunity that's put before us. And Lord God, we pray that you give us humility and grace to humble ourselves daily before you, to ask what it means to serve you, to be obedient to your word, obedient to your leading, that we might be godly men and women in this place, in this family. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Just before I hand back to Ben, to finish or is it Zachary I'll find out in a moment if you know that God's spoken to you tell somebody maybe it's a person you're with now but just it's good that when God's done something in you and you feel a sense of what it is that you tell someone for me the thing that I've kind of taken away there is that making the most of my opportunity when I'm with my children that's outside devotional time what Rob said to me just kind of there was a stick there that I I compartmentalize it and so I'm confessing that to you this is one of those that's that's something I'm, I'm now thinking over. How do I use my other opportunities when we're out and about with my boys? Um, but whatever it is, tell someone, text them, tell the person you're with, just get out, put it on your life group, WhatsApp messages, because I know you have those. But make sure it goes out wider than just here. Don't let it just kind of evaporate in the ether. Okay? Respond to God. Um, hand over to Ben um, and we'll finish this meeting. Benjamin.